This podcast is brought to you by Vinzero. Vinzero pioneers solutions and services to the AEC and manufacturing industries to support net zero targets. Visit vinzero.com to learn more about how organisations design, build and solve through digitalisation. From Vinzero to you, welcome to our Think Future podcast series. Each week we'll share conversations with industry leaders from around the world to find out how they're thinking future. Subscribe to Vinzero Think Future for access to more episodes, interviews and profiles. Georgette Goldbolt is the Head of Sales for Sustainable Australia Fund, with close to two decades of experience in working across the renewables and financial services sector. She is a passionate advocate for sustainability with a strong belief that we have the power to transform our built environment. Through her work with Sustainable Fund Australia, she is helping individuals and organisations realise and achieve profitable and sustainable outcomes. With every dollar Sustainable Australia Fund invests, it improves the economic and environmental outcomes of its clients. Its aim is simple, deploying the most amount of capital in the shortest time frame to make the world a better place. She joins us today to talk about how they are bringing that vision to life. Welcome to the program, Georgette. Thank you. So excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Georgette, can you start by sharing with us a little about the background of Sustainable Australia Fund, who they are and how they came about? So Sustainable Australia Fund is quite a unique lender in the Australian landscape. We were actually born out of local government. Um, The city of Melbourne actually started the company back in the early 2000s because they were trying to find a way of helping buildings become more sustainable. And they found that one of the biggest barriers was actually access to affordable and flexible capital. And Sustainable Melbourne Fund was first born and we did a management buyout of local government and are now known as Sustainable Australia Fund. So we have our origins in government, but we are now wholly independent. And Sustainable Australia provide government-enabled finance to promote sustainability and address environmental challenges in various sectors in quite a unique way. How is it that the program differs to other funding models available? So it's quite unique in the sense that we actually work in conjunction with local government whenever we fund. So the type of funding that we provide is known by two names, either environmental upgrade finance or building upgrade finance. And what we do is we provide a loan to the owner of a building to help upgrade their building to become more sustainable. And they make the repayments via their council rates. So unlike a traditional form of debt liability, this basically becomes a council rates repayment. So in that way, it works and it's really flexible because it can work in the commercial environment for both tenant and landlord um, and is different to every other form of funding that you find in the sustainable landscape. Another way that our form of funding differs in market is that there's, look, there's lots of different forms of funding that support sustainable building upgrades in market. You have companies that provide things like shuttle mortgages or leases or PPAs known as power purchase agreements. And these different types of funding work really well for different specific sets of circumstances, specifically in the owner-occupied space. So if you're a commercial property owner and you own your property, these types of finance might work for you. However, they don't tend to work as flexibly in the leased space. And as we know, in Australia, there's about 80,000 commercial properties and at least 60% of those are actually leased. So for the majority of commercial property owners, when they're looking at upgrading their buildings to become more sustainable, they need a really flexible type of funding to be able to do that. And that's what environmental upgrade finance provides. So Georgette, what's the process for determining eligibility for this type of funding? 
The first process is we need to make sure that the legislation is actually being passed in the area where the building is located. So currently in Australia, legislation is being passed to enable this form of funding in Victoria, New South Wales and South Australia, with Western Australia and Queensland currently looking at passing legislation in the coming years, which is really exciting. Once we know that where the building is in a state where we can actually fund, we need to check that the local council has actually enabled that legislation by passing a resolution locally. Once we've actually determined that the legislation is all good to go and the property is in a council area where we can actually fund, we actually have a look at the project itself. So what is that building trying to do to become more sustainable? And let's use a really classic example like solar. We'll have a look at the solar proposal that is being put forward by the building owner and make sure that we can fund that in a way, in most cases, that's cash flow positive from day one so that the actual savings generated can actually cover the cost of the repayment, creating a scenario where the building can become more sustainable and the business can become more profitable through that process. There's a few other areas that we'll actually look at. So we might ask for things like a director's ID. We'll also need a rates notice to make sure that the land is on rateable land. Unlike other lenders, we don't ask for things like traditional security like director's guarantees or Um, business guarantees or anything like that. So we assess a deal based on the merits of whether or not it's actually going to be sustainable both financially um, as well as environmentally for that particular business. And there's other credit criteria that obviously applies. So what was the motivation behind the creation of Sustainable Australia as a funding organisation? I suppose it's a really good point. Um, Motivation is, is quite a unique thing. We are all motivated individuals who want to be able to use capital as a force for environmental good. Often in the space where we play in in the financial services sector, capital isn't always used as a force for environmental good. And that's basically why we exist. I suppose you could say we are a profit for purpose company because every dollar that we invest improves the economic and environmental outcomes of our customers. We're able to deliver some really tangible impact in terms of sustainability benefits to buildings and the businesses they support. We want to be able to deploy the most amount of capital we can in the shortest time frame possible to deliver the greatest environmental benefits to try and leave future generations in a better state than we have it in today. I love that and I love profit for purpose. Can you share the impact of your funding to date? Yeah, we're really proud of this. So, so far in the three states where we've been able to fund due to legislation, we've been able to help businesses remove 632,277 tonnes of carbon through upgrades to their buildings, and we've saved them over $112 million worth of savings. And that's only up until the end of 2022. So we haven't even quantified the data yet of the impact of our funding in this current year. So when we talk about impact, what are some of the examples of projects that have benefited from this type of funding? We have funded what I call some really fantastic, weird and wonderful projects. The majority of what we fund tends to be in the renewable energy space. One of my favourite examples is a transportation company who had an issue with their waste uh, water process from washing down their trucks. That was getting into local uh, waterways, which were actually used for uh, growing produce in the local region. So we actually funded a large-scale industrial worm farm to process that wastewater and a water reticulation plant that was actually powered by solar to create almost like a local hyper-circular economy within that um, business where that wastewater was then made safe to use for irrigation on local farms. That's one of my favourite projects. 
but we can also do projects that lead to sustainable outcomes. So a really good example we're starting to see is businesses that are wanting to put solar on their roof, but they may have an asbestos roof. And we've been able to facilitate the removal of that asbestos, the new roof, the engineering and consultancy costs that go on top of that, as well as the solar plus things like battery. And now we're starting to see a lot of requests for things like EV car charging stations as well for businesses to support their employees, but also the transportation logistics efforts they have out of those buildings as well. So which sector areas are actively embracing and utilising this type of funding in Australia? There's about 80,000 what we refer to as mid-tier commercial properties in Australia with about 60% of them leased. We actually don't know what those exact figures are, but it's estimated to be about that many. And globally, we've seen that less than 1% of buildings are actually net zero. So we have a wide breadth of different businesses and organisations that stretch across multiple sectors. So anything from your mum and dad fish and chip shops that might want to put some solar on to help their business right through to the large-scale CNI sector and the manufacturing sector where we have large energy consumers or large considered to be brown end of town energy producers due to the fact that they are in sectors that are really hard to decarbonize. So think of things like the transportation sector and the agricultural sector that by nature of their operations, they tend to be very carbon-heavy businesses. So we help every end of the spectrum to help them to decarbonize through our funding, through you know enabling their buildings to put on either things like solar or waste management reduction schemes, energy optimization technology, things like that, so that they can help reach their net zero target. So it's not one area specifically, it's every area that needs to be decarbonized that we tend to help. Are you looking for a digitalisation and net zero partner to help you achieve your goals? Join the thousands of AEC and manufacturing customers globally who have turned to VinZero to start their journey toward a net zero future. With 32 offices around the world, VinZero can connect you to the right technologies and workflow processes so you can maintain your competitive position and increase profitability. VinZero has an industry expert to help you navigate the best pathway forward wherever you are on your digitalisation and net zero journey. Visit thinzero.com to find out more. So when it comes to sustainable funding initiatives, who tends to start the conversation with an organisation like yours? It's a really good question. So while we do have some owner occupiers coming to us actively wanting to improve the sustainability of their buildings, often we have a lot of conversations with tenants. So you'll have tenants coming to us saying, I really want to implement some for example, end-of-trip facilities because I want to encourage my staff to ride their bikes into work and I would like to provide them with showers. And we know that things like end-of-trip facilities or having EV car charging stations um, help to really improve the well-being of employees. So often employers are looking for ways to bring employees in and secure their, their talent. So we get a lot of those questions from tenants. And one of the conversations we have with tenants is have a look at what you want your roadmap to be. So what does your sustainability roadmap look like? What are some different implementations that you're looking at doing within your organisation? They may con- start the conversation with things like an end of trip facility and not even have a concept of, well, I haven't even looked at my lighting. Does my lighting need to be upgraded? And so on and so forth. There can be some small, quite significant impactful changes they can make to their businesses. 
And then we encourage them to have a conversation with the either property manager or the owner of the business, if they have a, a building, I should say, if they have a relationship with them to start facilitating that discussion of, right, how can our funding help them go through that transition process? So we work with all different areas um, of that particular building organisational structure, from tenant through to property manager, through to landlord, or even property portfolio in some cases as well. And then from there, what's the actual process for assessment of funding? So we can provide funding anywhere from about $10,000 per project up to $20 million per site, subject to obviously some credit criteria. And one of the first things that we say is if you think you've got a case, have a conversation with us or talk to one of our channel partners so we can help you facilitate what's actually required for us to be able to assess your particular deal because what we found is no two deals are the same. Like I mentioned, one of the first things we need to do is we need to make sure that A, your property is an area where we can fund and B, we want to make sure that your project actually qualifies under the legislation that we lend. So basically, we need to be able to see that there is a material environmental benefit to that building being provided so that we can fund. And then from there, we can take you through our application process, which is really simple. It takes about 15 minutes to see if you qualify for funding. So are there any mandatory reporting requirements post the completion of these funded projects to demonstrate the value of the projects from a sustainability perspective and also to Sustainable Australia? So mandatory reporting is really, really interesting. It seems to be a bit of a buzz topic at the moment in market because it's impacting a lot of different areas of businesses, right, from small businesses supplying right through to large corporations that may be ASX listed. We need to be able to see there's a demonstrable environmental benefit before we can fund any projects. But post-implementation, we are starting to collect data to be able to provide information back to both customers and the businesses they, that they then have to report into to help meet some of those mandatory reporting targets. And we also report back to councils on the impact of the funding that we provide within their local government areas as well. So for listeners that are interested in understanding more about the ability to use sustainable funding for a green project or a sustainability-based project, where should they start? There's a couple of different places where businesses can start. One is you can simply go to our website. So feel free to have a look at sustainableaustraliafund.com.au. On there, we have a list of partners that we work with, that we've worked with for a long period of time, who've been able to deploy a large volume of projects for businesses probably very similar to their own that's one place. The other place they can go is go and have a look and have a conversation with their own service providers. They may already have a consultancy firm that they work with. They may already have an energy company that they work with. They may already be in discussions with a waste management company and have a conversation with them about being able to utilise our funding for the projects they're already looking at implementing. We have a very high level of due diligence that we do with any partners that we fund through. So, Georgette, it sounds like there's a lot of promising options for organisations out there wanting to do the right thing from a sustainability perspective. So, as we close out today's conversation, when you think future about the role of the Sustainability Australia Fund and the built environment, what is it that excites you the most? Oh, look, one of the things that I think excites me the most is the amount of attention that the sector is actually receiving at the moment. I think, hate to say it, but post-COVID, everyone has started to realise the importance of sustainability more so than I think they did beforehand and the impact of what commercial businesses can actually have in terms of decarbonising our world. 
And I think what's really exciting is we're in a fantastic position to be able to help finance a lot of that transition in a way that can be profitable to businesses. I think a lot of businesses assume that that net zero transition is going to be a huge cost to their business. And what they don't realise is there is actually funding out there to help them transition in a way that can actually make them more profitable in the process and make their business more resilient. And that's really exciting. Well, Georgette, certainly for the Build Environment, Sustainable Australia Fund is a great initiative. And we thank you for coming on the program to share information about how people can get involved. Thank you so much for having me. This podcast was brought to you by VinZero. VinZero helped the AEC and manufacturing industries keep pace with digital change and achieve their technological and sustainability leadership goals. VinZero is a company that cares about creating and building a better world. Together, we are working with industry and environmental experts, providing forums and platforms through our VinZero Think community to create conversations that matter to our future generations. We invite you to join in the conversation and participate in our Think community. Like and subscribe to Think Future to stay up to date with the latest innovations and conversations as we take AEC and manufacturing around the world closer to zero. You can download our podcasts at binzero.com or from your favourite podcast platform. From Vinzero Think Future, thanks for listening.